it's essential that we operate as a collective because each of us as an individuals don't hold all the answers and each of us individuals say that say that say that <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly than answers i think is that each of us as individuals don't hold all the questions this is healing justice a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change I'm your host, Kate Warning, and this week we're going to hear from some of the collective members of Healing by Choice, Marsha Lee, Violetta Danawa, and Adela Nieves-Martinez. They'll be talking about creating healing justice practice space, the role of suffering and love in learning and transformation, asking for help, operating as a collective, and the role of healers in helping people to heal themselves. If you listened to the episode eight with Kara Page and Susan Raffo, you heard a little bit already about creating healing justice practice space. And also if you heard episode 10 with Adrienne Marie Brown, you have already heard one of the voices of a healing by choice collective member as Adrienne is also part of the collective. And Healing by Choice is a circle of women of color, health and healing practitioners in Detroit, Michigan. And they offer a range of healing modalities for self-care and the reduction of racial harm in mind, body, and institution. The modalities that they work with include Reiki, meditation, Tai Chi, peace circles, herbal consultations, ear acupuncture, food as medicine, and also through workshops and presentations. And if you want to learn more about them, they have a really hot new website that just came out. It's called healingbychoicedetroit.com. So you can check that out. And there's a lot to say about Violetta, Adela, and Marsha, um, but we're going to put those bios in the show notes so that you can uh, take a look at them yourselves because there is a range of modalities and experience that each of them are bringing to the table. And we want to make sure that you see that information, uh, but there's a lot there, yeah? Um, and I want to just specifically say something about why this week's episode is special. So you're going to hear a conversation just between Marsha, Violetta, and Adela. And we worked together on this to figure out how we could create um, the best conditions for them to really share their work as a women of color collective. And we even tried kind of recording remotely when Violetta was abroad and we were recording between, you know, Europe and Brooklyn and Detroit. And it just wasn't coming out right. And we were able to work a little bit with um, Adela's partner who had some sound equipment and ultimately Adrian Marie Brown loaned her microphone and we figured out some logistics and Marsha really did an incredible job of actually leading and really curating um, this episode, solving a bunch of um, sound obstacles. Uh, and this is the first time that we're releasing an episode where um, it's totally self-directed by the guests themselves. And we're really excited about the ways in which this model can continue. It has always been an intention since the very beginning. If you heard the conversation between myself and Shauna Wakefield and Teresa Pasquale Mateus at the beginning of the podcast to really share this mic. And um, because of sort of capacity and commitment, you have heard my voice a lot. 
Um, and really the intention is to build out some capacity to share this voice more. And for me as a white woman in particular, to really, uh, get out of the way more often. Um, but it takes a lot of work and relationship and prep in order for that to happen. And so I'm super, super grateful for the generosity and skill and commitment, especially of Marsha and also of Violetta and Adela, who kind of went through multiple steps in recording this episode, um, in bringing to you sort of this purest form of them expressing themselves. Um, you'll hear us talk a little bit at the end about the Allied Media Conference that happens in Detroit in June of this year. And at the Allied Media Conference this year, we're actually going to be training more people to become regional correspondents for the podcast and sort of play the role that Marsha played um, in curating this episode. And would really, really love to invite you or people you know who uh, feel really excited about that idea to check out the workshop that we'll be holding at the Allied Media Conference. And if there's a workshop of your own that you're interested in proposing, we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the episode about how you can get involved at Allied Media and hang out with me and Marsha, Violetta, Adela, the whole Healing by Choice Collective, and so many more people deeply committed to healing justice um, at that conference in Detroit. So that is plenty of talk from me. I am so excited for you to hear the brilliance of these women. And here we go. Hi, everyone. We are here as Healing by Choice in Detroit, Michigan, in the land of the Anishinaabe people. And we welcome you into our home. We are currently here in one of our collective members, Adela's uh, child's room. So <laughs> we are surrounded here by blankets and kids books and welcome you into that space with us as well. Peace everyone. I'm Adela Nieves Martinez and I don't have a preferred gender pronoun. I accept all of them and I say that I love my name so I really like being called by my name. The U.S. Social Forum came to Detroit in 2010, mm -hmm. and I was the national communications coordinator for the Social Forum, which was a huge undertaking. There were 11 staff members for about 18,000 people coming to the city of Detroit for, from all over the United States and the world, and hundreds of volunteers for each area. Uh, and although the U.S. Social Forum was a transformative space and experience, it also was incredibly difficult and hard on the body, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things that when you're tasked with that level of organizing can also take you down. And so what was happening for a lot of us organizers was we were, what was happening for a lot of us organizers was that we were escaping a lot to the healing justice practice space and the medical area that they had collaborated together to create. There were two separate spaces, but they had collaborated together to make that space. And it was the first time I had really seen like, oh, allopathic medicine, in deep collaboration with 
whatever other word you might use, alternative or Western medicine or traditional medicine, in a way that was fluid, that was about building relationships. It was that everyone was an expert in the room and that everyone had something to offer. And I was just blown away by this collaboration, but I was also blown away by the space that they created at the U.S. Social Forum. People were coming in, you know, you had come in from all over the world. You weren't amongst your own community. You weren't amongst your own relationships. Uh, you weren't eating in the same ways that you were. So people were really breaking down in different ways. And so they would walk into these spaces looking like they might have to go to the hospital and come out completely transformed. And I was like, whoa, that's what I need for the rest of my life, not just this moment. Yes. And so I kept escaping to the space and other, other organizers did too, who are actually organizing the social forum. And it was just my place of peace and calm and trust. I knew that I could trust a space. I also knew I could trust a space because I knew the relationship that they had built with each other over two years. And it was in that, in that moment that I said, this is the kind of spaces that I want to be participating in and help creating everywhere that I am without it having to cost $200, $300 to get there. And and it be exclusive to only one type of person and only insurance and all of the things that we talk about that make things inaccessible. Uh, and so I allowed myself a good few months to break down, to let myself just, <laughs> I'm falling out here. And then I went to New Mexico and I started studying and then Mexico and Puerto Rico and on from there. Uh, and here we are with healing by choice. Go, Violetta, please. I'm going! <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, my name has just been said. I'm Violetta. I go by Vio as well. Um, my gender pronouns are she, her, hers. And what is challenging for me in doing healing justice work is that balance of um, give, like giving off support and giving out energy and also like taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. um, that is... It seems like it would be a simple thing to balance, but it's actually quite difficult. My名字是李英惠,木子里的李英,就是很多的英惠是智慧的惠。后来我妈觉得恩惠是比较重要,所以恩惠也可以。I said my Chinese name uh, is Li, we begin with our family name first, because we start first with our family, we don't belong. We don't exist outside of our, our family and community in Taiwanese culture. And my Chinese name, in Taiwan people speak both Mandarin Chinese and Taiwanese and, and other indigenous languages, but in Chinese my name originally meant overflowing with wisdom. And in the recent years, I think actually it was about the time that Grace was dying mm. or had just passed. And, and I don't know if my mom knew that at that time, but she said, ha -ha. And the, they name you because they want you to become that, or the name has something to do with like what's important for your family. And so then in recent years around that time, she was like, I think you've had enough wisdom. <laughs> too much wisdom. <laughs> too much. We're done with this We're name. We're done with this wisdom thing. I see you. <laughs> you need a lot more grace in your life. Hmm. So... So then she said, I'm changing your name to Overflowing with Grace. And wow. I was like, I choose my own name. I'm <laughs> she's like, whatever. And so she's been writing it as that. So that's my Chinese name. And uh, my English name is Marsha. And I go by both depending on, on who I'm with. 
and my gender pronouns are she and hers. And I think along the same lines, you know, in talking about family and community, I think ultimately what pulled me into this work uh, in the beginning is that there's so many things in in Eastern medicine and in Taiwanese culture that is just by itself about healing. So everybody knows some pressure points. Everybody knows certain medicines to take. Everyone knows which foods are hot and cold. And it's just a part of the culture. And and so I think that's a part of the way in which I was raised. And and then I came across Tai Chi um, because I was living with my grandma in Taiwan for a few years. Or, I'm sorry, for about six months. <laughs> and I found that was a way in which I found that I could have relationship with her. And what's really significant, I think, about that, and this is a large generalization, but one of my Tai Chi teachers said that the difference between Eastern and Western medicine is that in Eastern medicine, what happens is that they look at the body while you're alive, while Western medicine learns about the body after it's died. Wow, that's deep. So they look mm -hmm. at the cadaver, and through the cadaver they learn about the different body parts, and through that they decide how to keep people alive. While in Eastern medicine, we look at the energetic forces that are happening inside the body and how that interacts with the physical, and through that they go about healing, for example, if I have a thyroid condition, right? So instead of looking at and saying we need to heal the thyroid condition, they're saying what is imbalanced in your body that needs to be balanced in order to bring about healing in the whole person. So I think a lot of that is what brought me into healing justice work. But I don't know that I called it that from the beginning. And I think in more recent years, that's a term that's really kind of grown and maybe changed us mm. or maybe not. And so... I'm wondering for all of us, what is your relationship with that word healing justice or healer? Would you identify with it? How does it impact your work? What comes up for you around that word healer? As far as for me, um, this is Vio. What comes up for me in terms of healing justice, I feel like I started using that word just like out of some type of type of symbiotic thing. like. I don't remember when, I don't remember why, um, but I know when I was living in Lansing, it was really small and like there wasn't a lot of people explicitly doing work around healing justice, but it was like, who do you know that does something around, you know, for us, it was like what black women need in this environment in a majority white city, mm -hmm. um, especially with this huge university next door that like kind of keeps you disconnected from yourself. And so we just organically got together and just started like talking and like doing lots of work. Um, so would you call yourself a healer? As far as the word healer, like I, I am a human being who does things, regardless <laughs> if that's my healing work, regardless if that's like what I get paid to do. Like I'm a human being and I do things. And so I'm a person who does healing justice work. The term healer, like I feel a lot of ways about it. Um, I definitely think there's a place for it, but for me, it's like, under what conditions should it be used? I think a lot of times it like, I don't know, like now it's just getting used just over and over and over and something about it to me gets diluted. Um, even though at the same time, we all have the capacity to be our own healers. 
Like, I first started even thinking about healing as a concept, working through my own shit, my own trauma, my own stuff. And so I think every single human has the capacity to do that work um, on themselves and on their lineage, especially if they have support and community and stuff like that. But the term healer, I think you just have to be very careful um, with how you're using it and why. Is it ego? Is it because, you know, like someone is a sage and it's like, you know, elderliness mixed into it? Like, like what is like what is the why? And who decides, right? And like, who decides? You can't. I can't just walk in a room and be like, I'm a sage. who decides and and whose lineage are you from and who's your teacher and like also I think the idea of going out and calling myself a healer means that for me at least it feels like there has to be a teacher who's told me that I'm allowed to do a thing I won't just go out and teach Tai Chi because I think I know something it's because my teacher who came from her teacher said that I'm ready to do a thing Otherwise, I think we cause a lot more damage. Yeah. And I think about, I think being a healer is also about providing people with the tools to access healing for themselves. Say that, say that, right? say that. So many times we go to people like, hey, fix my thing. Tell me what to do. And it's about getting the tools to do yeah. work. Yeah. I agree, Violetta. And I have, I feel like I have a complicated relationship with the word healer too. Because there's no way that I can heal anyone. Yeah. Like everyone has to do it themselves. That, that's that's what's done for self. So we are right. We are all our own healers, and if we're not wanting to heal, there's nothing that Violetta, that Marsha, that myself, that Healing by Choice is going to come in and do and say like, boom, you're healed. So I do. I have a I have a deep respect, and I honor the word healers and healing and maybe maybe it's my own insecurity or my own not enoughness that we get placed on us that I don't feel comfortable taking on that word but I've also learned in in my studies is that the community is what names you healer not yourself yes so when we're in community with with folks and we're just in space together and people would call us healer I accept that as like that's community naming us how they perceive us and how we show up in space. So I'm not going to correct anyone on it. And at the same time, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying, like, writing on a bio or something. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't know if I feel comfortable with it. And maybe I should. Maybe there's a part of me that's like, yeah, right. I am my own healer. Yeah. But I feel like... If I write it somewhere or say it somewhere, then I need to preface. But what I mean really is that I'm my own healer and I'm not necessarily saying that I'm healing anyone else or that I have that capacity. But I do have the potential to help guide. Yeah. I do have the the ability to hold space strongly. I can listen really well. And I can help support you in moving towards your own healing. Yeah, and I think that for me, the term healing justice adds another layer to that, mm. where it's talking about, this is a thing I created in my own brain, is that I think there's five layers of what makes healing justice different than healing work by itself. Okay, let's see if I can remember my own creation. <laughs> One is that the idea of healing justice, 
Uh, y'all can't see us right now, but they both have one arm <laughs> <laughs> on their leg and looking at me like, okay, what are you going to yeah, say? Sir. Say this. Tell us. <laughs> Great. Let's see if I can remember. <laughs> Healing justice to me is about one, including historical trauma. So looking at the things that our ancestors have endured and healing that. Two, the healing of the trauma and things that have been caused in our own lives. Some of it by us, which is the second. Third, by other people. Fourth, our institutions and isms that we can't help the skin we're born in. And so the racism, sexism, homophobia, all the isms, that's a fourth layer. And then the fifth, the impact in which our decisions impact those coming after us. So I think that that's what makes healing justice different than if we're just doing healing work for the sake of healing in a specific moment or a specific thing. But same as how we're talking about Eastern medicine saying we're looking at the whole person. In healing justice to me, it means we're looking at the whole of the entity of that person in the context of their community. Hmm. I like that. Me too. Yeah. You got <laughs> I like that. Thank you. And you cheese really hard. Um, you will see yeah. that on our next pamphlet. <laughs> the cheese? Oh, oh, oh. Our, our definition. So in that, in along those lines, say that's our definition that we're taking and looking at healing justice in Detroit. What is the significance of doing healing justice work in Detroit? As individuals, as a part of HBC or anything else related to Adela, you mentioned earlier about the U.S. Social Forum. And for me, that was a time where it felt like healing justice work really coalesced together right. in Detroit. Um, but people have been doing it for a really, really long time already. So what is the significance of this work here in Detroit? Only thing that's coming to me is spirit. Like, okay. like... It's literally, um, I think there's something very significant about the way healing justice shows up because it's also tied to spirituality in in some circles. Like ancestor, which you named in the last definition, for me and my spiritual practice is the Orisha. And like, like how are we using our everythingness to combat a system? And the way the system plays out in Detroit, I don't know if we want to go in all these places, but it's also around housing, it's around um, uh, water, it's around um, the school system. Like, it's so big. And I think the dopest thing about Detroit is you have some group of people actively, actively working on everything. And then we do a lot of coalition building. So like each of us are involved in healing by choice and we're also connected to other groups. And like we, I want to say like we don't waste resources mm -hmm. of ourselves. Like mm -hmm. we really, we really value um, using each other and not using in a negative way, but like we recycle each other. Like we're resourceful with ourselves as like, I don't know, like, help me. <laughs> like, we're resourceful in ourselves and our connections. And so um, I think we value deep relationship and critical relationship and trust. And um, there's this quote about the my mycelium mushroom and the way that they borrow from the, like, wisdom for from the older trees. 
and I don't know science is not my thing right now <laughs> but it's a lot of borrowing and modeling that humans have after nature and I think even if people aren't explicitly talking about the fact that they use that is very key in how organizing and healing justice organizing happens in the city so and even like the oak tree example that Adrian always talks about you have these big oak trees and they're like really really like thick and big and huge and then you have and they can be in separate places and then you have the roots underground but you don't see that actually under yeah the the roots are like all intertwined beneath the ground in a way that you can't see and i feel like that's like what we do it's very similar i i before we we were having a conversation the before conversation the post or (laughs) pre-conversation the pre-conversation about how like healing justice and healers and health practitioner all of that for for us is multi-layered and in one moment may feel one way and in another may evolve to something else so i feel like just the way that we're evolving and growing in each moment i feel that same way with the word healer or health practitioner or healing justice and how we frame things that what i feel in this moment may evolve and grow in the next moment so i guess what has maintained as the foundation is that what we're doing is what's been done forever and now we're just bringing making sure that one of an an old and deep and rich practice that had that has had many different names and healing justice is just the name right now and what do you think is significant about that in detroit I, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if I can say necessarily Detroit, but let me, because we're here and we're practicing here, I think we're, we're remembering, we're restoring, we're reclaiming, and we're doing it in relationship to each other. And so we are each other's resource. I think is part of what you were saying, Violetta, correct me if I'm wrong, that we are each other's resource and we deeply, deeply share with each other. We're not, we very rarely remain in our silos where even if we're doing individual work, like you were saying at one point, Violetta, a few minutes ago, even in our individual work, we're still deeply connected to each other and having phone calls ahead of time, going asking for resources, taking trainings together to make sure that we're all connected in some way and speaking a similar language. So I don't know if this is making sense. But, it is, it is. But it's but so big. It's so big. So I feel like I have to breathe through even this this question. The, the other part that I wanted to share about it is that healing justice feels to me like although we have a framework and it is part of what you said, like the isms and making sure that we are connected to community, making sure that we that healing isn't an afterthought, that it's a thread in all the work that we do. Yes. It also feels to me that there's a space in between that framework that has no agenda. Yes. You know? Like it's we are actually between. coming into a space sometimes we, we don't have an agenda. Our agenda maybe is just to, just to be, just to allow whatever is going to happen in the room to happen in the room and not ignore it, not push it aside, 
not have it be stuck in bodies, but that beyond that, it isn't necessarily like, oh, we're coming in and doing healing justice work. All the healers are here or whatever. It, there are those spaces that have absolutely no agenda. And I don't think we talk about that as much. But yeah, we're planning and we have this very specific framework that's important for the world that we're, that we're stepping into and that for others to understand and trust and build with us. But there's also like this really silent breath space that we hold together and that we hold in spaces that's just as important and that I think is also healing justice work. Ooh, let's do that for a moment. <sighs> yeah. I actually noticed I was holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Adela. Absolutely. I think for me, that's a part of what drew me to Detroit. So I didn't grow up in Detroit. I grew up a couple hours north of here in a, a mostly white, small, like farming community. And I think what drew me to Detroit was a lot of what you said, Adela. And the words that I would use maybe around some of it is that I believe that it's in the suffering under our skin where we're most able to connect because all of us have been impacted by suffering in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from that, what I think is or feel is that great suffering and great love lead to great transformation. And I, when I came to Detroit first through the Bog Center and really connecting with Grace as a, a mentor and a grandmother over the years, is that Detroit is a place in which people can hold great suffering and great love and create great transformation. Not because they're trying to force something, not because they have an agenda to become something, but because it's we're just being. Yeah. And in that being together, people are extremely creative, extremely resilient, and just able to find those spaces in between where as a Vio was saying earlier, all these different oppressive systems that constantly, constantly are pushing on people. Yeah. But because people are able to have hope and to see in between those spaces and connect with each other, as Vio was saying in those roots, I feel like there's a way in which then we're able to create different ways of being and try out different things and be more generous and kind. I've never been in a place where people are more generous and kind than in Detroit. And so I think the way in which healing justice shows up here is like you were saying, Adela, is that it's something that everybody's always been doing and we're just trying to find a different way to remember. Hey y'all, this is Kate, and we are pausing for a moment to welcome in a couple voices from our community. This segment of the show is called Affirmations, and it is a community love sharing segment where we express gratitude for one another, and it takes the place of traditional advertising. Uh, we're taking it back for ourselves to shout out the important work happening at the intersections of healing and justice and those who inspire and support us. So this week, you'll hear from Melanie and from Apina. Here's Apina. 
Lately, I've been feeling such gratitude for caretakers, people who are raising lives out there. So I want to give a huge shout out to all the parents out there, and I mean that in all sense of that word. I was very lucky to have been raised by not only my mom and dad, but my grandmother and my nanny and so many others. And I know I wouldn't be who I am today without them. So I want to send so much love and appreciation to them. And I'm so so grateful for all the parents out there. Whether or not you are a part of a movement or fighting for a specific cause, you are all out there raising another human being and taking responsibility for them. And that's pretty amazing and inspiring to care for a life and passing on your legacy in such a direct way. Um, so I send you all a warm, deep appreciation shout out. Thank you and thank you for all the love and the life you put into the world. Hi, this is Melanie, and I want to thank the members of the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland for showing me how to explore healing with curiosity, rigor, and creativity. Thank you for showing me what support looks like. No one does support like the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland. I'm especially grateful to Ellen Hoffman, Michael Clemens, and Jim Kepner for their mentorship and gentle nudging. Thank you so much, Apina and Melanie. And hey, if you would like to share a shout out, a gratitude, an affirmation on the show, we would absolutely love to include your voice. It's really easy to record a voice memo on your phone. And we have an online form that you can find the link in the show notes. Uh, to click to to submit your affirmation to be shared on the show you can also go to healingjustice.org and in the upper right uh, part of the menu there's a button that says share an affirmation which leads you to the same place and we only have a couple more submitted right now so that means that this is your chance to get yours in and it'll play in a couple weeks if we don't get more in, we might pause the segment. So if you have been listening and enjoying hearing different voices, chiming in and sharing appreciation, if you know that this, that kind of public positivity and gratitude is an important medicine for our activist communities, then please take a risk, share your voice. Um, even if you think you don't like listening to your own voice, we love listening to you and your voice is important. So go ahead and click on the link in the show notes or go to healingjustice.org, upper right-hand corner, to share an affirmation. And we would love to join you in celebrating um, the people, the groups, the organizations, the plants, um, the historical figures, anyone, anything that has inspired you and supported you in your journey. We want to hear about it. We want to celebrate it and share your voice. All right, so now we have the great privilege of diving back in to the conversation with Marsha, Adela, and Violetta. It just feels like we are in a really, I don't know if the word is special or critical moment of time. Tell me how you both feel that like both. What, yeah, yeah. yeah. I urgent. It's... This, is, this work is more important than ever, and it's happening in so many different ways beyond just what we're doing, and we're learning from how other people are doing their work too, but it feels like there was a time where a lot of the, the healing work beyond like spas or 
things like that was happening underground mm-hmm. or like in in kitchen tables, right? Yes, At kitchen tables yes, where yes. if you're invited to the kitchen table and yes. you're breaking and you're, you're breaking bread together and you're doing this work together, and the then you know it's know it, so And the grandmothers know people. it. And if you yeah. have access to the grandmother, then that's how you're you're doing the work. But somehow there's like this resurgence happening in Detroit and in a lot of other places, absolutely. But since we're in Detroit, we'll talk about yeah. the place we're in. That like it's becoming like wow, we are having much more access to the elders. Where like uh, there's a recognition that without this work, the the work of remembering, reclaiming, and restoring what's always been here and was taken away from us and now needs to be reinfused in everything that we do, that we're not going to make it. We're just not going to make it. And so it's like everyone is starting to, a lot of folks that have been holding the memories are thankfully coming out and really participating in ways that maybe they didn't feel they were allowed to or didn't feel that they could or for 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 whatever as we all know many 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 reasons why it may have had to stay underground and we are blessed and privileged with the gift of having access to so much of that right now. Yeah. So what do you feel like is the role of healing by choice as a collective, as people who identify as women of color within all of that, within what's happening here, but also within kind of the larger world, right? Some of what when we look at the way in which our society as a whole generally operates, being competitive, being individualistic, being trying to climb on top, what is the role of healing by choice? And why is it important for us to operate as a collective rather than as individuals out there doing our own thing? Now, why do you think? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, back to you. I mean, I, I do think it is it is that, actually, that it's essential that we operate as a collective because each of us as an individuals don't hold all the answers. And each of us individuals... Say that, say that, say that. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly than answers, I think, is that each of us as individuals don't hold all the questions. Mm-hmm. And that if we can't, we need to learn how to ask the right questions. And so if each of us comes in with different questions, the other night we were planning for some of our events this year and one person shared something. And then the questions that came from each different person because of who we are and the things that we do, we were able to get, maybe I say a 340 degree. I don't know if we got 360, <laughs> you know, but we were able to like see so much more of what was necessary in order for what we want to come to life to come to life than we could have as individuals. And I think what we need now is for people to work together, that it's essential because otherwise we'll miss things, but then also because we're stronger together. And I think as a women of color collective, it's, it's important for us to be a women of color collective so that our community can, we can, it can, our work can be reflected in, can one of you say what I'm trying to say? Mm. Yeah, I think, Violetta, were you going to jump in? No. no? Okay. Um, I'm just going to say what you were trying to say. Thank you. And then, <laughs> and then I'm <laughs> pointing it over to Violetta because yeah. uh, Violetta's got this brilliant mind when it comes to yes. sharing this 
vision. Uh, the, the only thing that I wanted to say was that I think what you're saying is that we are recognizable. And it's, a, it, it's important in some ways to work in the communities where you're recognizable, where this is a predominantly black and people of color city. And so it feels important that the children, that the elders, that the communities know that their leadership or the people that are coming into spaces look, sound, and feel like them. And that we also have the same experience, not us separate from them or them separate from us, but that we get, we get to recognize each other. We get to love each other in who we are and in the skin we're in. There's been so much in Detroit of everyone else coming in to be the experts of our experience. We get to be the experts of our own experience. Right. We get to step in loudly and silently in the moments and the spaces that we operate in every single day. And I think the second piece to that is that as a women of color or people of color collective and not just being black because we are in a black city yeah. i think that it's an opportunity for us to it, I do some other work around race and racism and i think internalize one of the big things with internalized oppression and internalized racism is that we end up tearing down each other's communities mm. between you know Asians and blacks, Asians and Latinos, Asians mm -hmm. and whoever, you know, and so speaking for, for the community that I'm a part of and that if we can learn to work together and really learn from our cultures, learn the skills and, and teachings of our own cultures and to share it with other people of color, then we're able to break down some of the internalized racism that we hold inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's me. I feel like y'all are looking at me. Yeah, we are. Um, we totally are. And I'm stretching during <laughs> the course of this conversation. Um, so for me, I think what's significant about healing by choice and why it's important, kind of in tandem with what Marsha was saying, but I think each person who's a part of the collective has a different thing. Like our skills or our... Um, thinkings get to interact with one another so for example one person does focusing you know one person does tai chi i feel like almost everybody does reiki and or ear acupuncture right. um because we need collective stuff we can all do yeah so these things really get put into conversation with one another and i think makes imagining a different process um like, what is the power of being able to imagine beyond what's immediately in front of you? Mm. Um, like we've gone through visioning processes together. Oh, and kitchen witchery. Can't leave. <laughs> Ke so, one of, um one of uh, the folk with us also, like, cooks. And so, Carmen is an herbalist. And so, like, there's so many different things that go in conversation with each other that accounts for our like i don't want to but like individual interests like um cultural backgrounds like um they just get to go i don't know how to say it other than it becomes this like web and it becomes this ongoing conversation like with or without words and i think 
that's where um, the power of working together comes in because you get to learn from each other. You know what I mean? And it's not about like school or classes or all these different things. It's like, no, like we learn. I mean, we can learn from those places, but we also like learn from the world. Mm -hmm. And so if you see each person as a library in your collective or in your community, then you <laughs> like you know you're just able to build in a much different way and in an organic way and in a way that kind of requires you um requires a different thinking of love um because if i'm learning from you on, on an ongoing basis and i'm creating these touchstones with you on an oncoming basis ongoing basis um yeah it's like loving and learning just kind of goes together Mm -mm -mm. loving and learning mm -mm. just kind of goes together mm -hmm. yes. yeah yeah and maybe that's our tagline now <laughs> right you're like that you came up with it on the podcast <laughs> so what else what, uh, i, what I just want to share how hbc came to came to be because it it threads so great so well in with what marcia and, and violetta just shared and why it's so important that it was collective and we as a matter of fact if you feel us and it feels like love, it's real. We all really do love each other. And we make sure to nurture and love each other when we're not feeling well, when we need to step out, and when we're at our most, at our strongest and most powerful, celebrating that too, celebrating all those places. And, and I think that's what makes this collective work well. Mm -hmm. But HSBC came together very quickly because one of us was invited to do a nine-month-long fellowship program and with 50 fellows in Detroit for uh, an environmental justice organization. And it just turned out that there is no way that any one person can go into an organization with 50 fellows and handle all of that by themselves. Uh, and so others were invited on to participate in that nine month process. And out of that, it worked so well and it was so symbiotic, it was so fluid. And it, wa it was like, whoa, right, we're a whole library of information here that comes together really well to take different parts of it that out of that came healing by choice and we were invited back and now we're going strong two and a half years later or something like that right so it's like this idea that we didn't come together because we thought we had something to offer but that there was a need right and adela pulled us together to work with this economic justice group <laughs> because she saw that it was really important that what she just said, that we all can br come together to bring something together much better than an individual person, and then it's grown into something that's all of us and not just Adela. See what Marsha did right there? <laughs> I made sure not to say my name, and Marsha was like, nope. <laughs> you got all your own strength and power and celebrate it. Remember how you just said that? Thank you. <laughs> what are the other elements you think are important for us as healing by choice that are significant in how we do our work. I'll start. Please, thanks. <laughs> I think one thing that is really significant is what Via was just doing, right? She said, I was just stretching. 
So for us, it's really important that whatever we give externally, we also give internally, that there is always this feedback loop for ourselves as individuals and ourselves as a collective so that the work that we do externally doesn't drain us and feeds us so that we are better able to feed other people and that we always take into account the spirit, body, mind, and that the work that we do always incorporates each of those different elements. And I think in a lot of ways that order, oftentimes people say mind, body, spirit, but I think spirit, body, mind is more aligned. And there was something else I was going to say and I forgot. Jump in when when you remember it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It's something that um, Joya always says that mm. the mind is people think about the mind and they go straight to like the headspace or like the brain area. And she always says that the mind is actually encapsulating the entire body. It's like a, it's an energy field around the entire body. Like you can identify knowing or awareness at any area of the body. So um, I always thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if I ever told her. But, <laughs> now, um, she now, she <laughs> now she knows. Now she knows. Now she knows. But the original question, I mean, you can go. I was just kind of mm-hmm. like vibing off what you were saying. But um, the yeah. other thing, which wasn't what I was going to say, but <laughs> feels important, is that we do think about it from a healing justice perspective on, based on that definition or the definition came out of the work that we're doing. I'm not sure which, but that so we take into account intersectionality of identities. We offer those workshops and hold that as important as we do Reiki. We offer restorative justice. We offer work for individuals and community with organizations and for our general community that we're a part of. So we try to cover all these different groups of people with a focus again on people of color and people who are marginalized in our society. And I think that's significant because those are the people that we're from Mm -hmm. and that's why we do it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts you like that? No. The only thing that I wanted to add was that, and it's already been said in other words, is that we take care of each other. We take care of each other. We don't, we never come to a meeting or a gathering without bringing each other food or some, sometimes a, a rose water for the space, blankets. My child is mothered or parented by everyone in the collective. She's building relationship with all of them because we're not separate from each other. And so Violetta has dreams of my child and it's like, yeah, we're we are a collective and we're doing work out in the community but we're we don't operate as an organization that's separate from what's happening in the home that's separate from each other's lives that's separate from each other's relationships and i think we're separate from what's happening in the world are separate right are separate from what's happening in the world and i think that us building the relationship that way helps us move in the world in a way that it doesn't feel unnatural to do that in the other in spaces in other spaces that we're in. And I'll just give this example. I am getting ready to take a sabbatical for a number of reasons, but one of them is the importance of just taking some time to be a mother, 
just taking some time to breathe and build a relationship with her and just be present with her because so much of the past two years has been really go, 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 go. And so the collective is like, do that. Go take a sabbatical and we got this. And not only we got this, but we put all of these things in place to make sure that you get this time to take care of you. And whenever you're ready to step back in, we got that too. Uh, and I don't know that I've experienced that anywhere else. I, uh, when I was younger, I worked in corporate and we're walking little boxes with compartments that we're not allowed to share. And I don't have that experience here. And I hope that it's a modeling for what's possible. Drops mic. <laughs> As we close out our time here on this podcast, I the final question I want to ask is leading off of what Adela just said about what's possible and what's necessary for us to get to what's possible. If you have any thoughts for the healing and sustainability of activists and organizers, what's possible and what is necessary for us to get there as we close out our time with all of you. And I want to bring in something, Vio, you said earlier about, that you didn't say on mic, but we were talking about earlier about the interest of the work being about, the intention being about community and not about your tribe, which I don't yeah. know if you want to bring back up. Sure. Um, to that point, I was saying that there's a lot of people doing like healing work and it's become like an industry, but it's become a part of the marketplace in a very specific way that's also not about organizing. And some people in that space will refer to a group of people as their tribe, which is um, a marketing term for followers. I'm not disparaging, you know, people's work. But what I am saying is that there's a difference between that and like, folk that you actually know you just you know them because you're in a relationship with them um and you can call them and stuff like that and you don't have to i don't have to pay to call marcia right? <laughs> um that's nice so um maybe a no, little so, chocolate yeah yeah maybe for like a broom because marcia actually like built and made me a broom like from scratch and I pay for that because that is appropriate. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I did have a final thing about what's possible. Um, and it's very personal because I'm sitting in a transition. And um, like I know myself to be an awesome person, to be a great person, to be all these things. And then at the same time, I'm sitting in like, who the fuck am I? Mm. And so it's like, I feel like um, uh, I like, it's weird because... I don't have a lot of time to go into it, but like when you start asking specific questions of yourself and asking what you are in integrity to, asking where are your values changing, giving yourself permission to dream new dreams, giving yourself permission to like just like operate outside of the, uh, I don't know, sphere that you've been operating outside of, that can be very disconcerting. And there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that happens with that. 
and I'm shout out to therapy. I'm working on that and doing my own rituals because these things can go hand in hand and that can be like a holistic wellness package for yourself, right? Um, but it's it's like personal transformation is going to feed into the greater transformation. Like there's no way to create the world that we want without understanding that we create system like human beings make up systems they're not just these like things that exist outside of us so if i'm trying to ask myself what's possible in the world then i have to ask my myself different questions so i can be the human being that actually is able to and can and naturally and organically so supports that new thing that's possible if that makes sense so much so much thank you thanks so i stay close to you <laughs> <laughs> Closing thought or question? Ah. Yeah, I, Violetta and I were at a at an event recently, and it reminded Violetta said something, as you often do about that something may not be happening right now, but we need to be able to see that vision even if it's far away, in order to walk that way. And that doesn't mean we need to have every detail about it, but it's like sci-fi, right? Like, mm -hmm. we are envisioning what is possible. We're living in, we're walking in what's possible because there is, we can feel it in us. And if we can allow ourselves to sink into it and know that it's possible, then we, could, then we can journey together there. Yeah. What is also possible and that we got so many that so many of us got messages about when we were younger or that we get even as adults is that it's possible to ask for help. It's possible to say like, I do health and healing work and I don't got me right now. So I can lean. It's possible to say like, I'm pregnant and for the next three months, I don't know if I have it in me to make a meal. So the whole community comes together and creates a meal train, which Marsha created for me and my family for four months so that we could be taken care of. And I didn't have to say, or I didn't have to feel like, oh man, now I gotta get, now I gotta make sure that I get Marsha back and do a favor for her. Because it's possible that that energy of sharing and asking for help and supporting and nurturing is gonna come back that way because we're modeling it for each other and we're living into it. And I said this before, but it's possible to actually really have community and not just in name only. And why I say that specifically is because so much of the so many of the questions in Detroit and in healing justice circles is what does community really mean? Who are we talking about? Is that even possible to have? And it's so possible. And part of it, that possibility is taking a moment to be vulnerable and say, I don't got all of this. I get to ask, I get to lean, I get to be human. And tomorrow, you're not gonna judge me for that leaning or for that vulnerability because tomorrow might be your turn and I got you. You just heard a conversation of Healing by Choice Collective members, Marsha Lee, Adela Nieves Martinez, and Violetta Danawa. You can download the corresponding practice that they share about creating a healing justice practice space 
And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you already know that on Tuesdays, our conversations are published. And on Thursdays, a practice uh, is published. So if you don't see that episode up yet, wait till Thursday, it's coming. It's a really amazing how-to if you want to begin to think about creating healing justice practice space wherever you work, whatever work you're doing. And there are really great resources in the show notes this week, including information about the upcoming Allied Media Conference taking place this June in Detroit. We want to share with you that um, multiple folks from Healing by Choice are actually participating in curating two different aspects of the conference. One is the Healing Justice Practice Space that is welcoming practitioners of many different modalities to come and hold that space together over the conference. And also the Healing Justice Track of workshops um, that will be holding multiple workshops. We have a proposal in um, for Healing Justice Podcast to be offering something there uh, that we'd love to welcome you to if it's able to be slated in that track. Um, And... The call for proposals to um, be able to host a workshop is still open until March 16th. And so we invite you to check out those links in the show notes. We have links there if you would like to propose joining in as a practitioner in the practice space or proposing a workshop of your own in the Healing Justice track. If you don't want to offer your own content, but you want to just come and hang out with us and go to a bunch of workshops, they're going to be amazing. Um, There's also a link there where you can register and sign up to come to the conference. So check that out in the show notes. And you'll also find all the other links you need there. You'll see the link to offer an affirmation or gratitude on the show. Um, You'll see the links to our social media. We offer quotes, um, including some from the women that you just heard through our social media every single day. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for those daily doses of inspiration. And as always, we ask for any voluntary support that you can offer financially. Everyone who works on this podcast is volunteer. And part of how we're supported to just pay the hard costs of the podcast is through the people who donate on Patreon. So thank you so, so much to the people who are already supporting us. And if you want to join into that crew for as little as a couple bucks a month, you can sign up at patreon.com slash healing justice. This episode of the podcast was content edited by the talented Natalia Thompson and is generously mixed and produced by Zach Meyer at The Coal Room. Thank you so much for your commitment to building movements that liberate all of us. Hear you next week.